Occupy a Job on Wall Street is an autobiographical novel about New York City in the aughts, centering around a protagonist who is mentored by three sociopaths. The author has more than 15 years of experience on Wall Street bracketing the same time period. Episode 43, A Reflection on Networking. Let's start off by picturing two salesmen who arranged to meet at Pastis after the market closed one day. The first knew exactly what an important place he held in the financial system. He recognized that he was a key part of the infrastructure for individuals to access the markets. He was humble. He took his job seriously. From all accounts, he had a high level of integrity and treated his peers with respect. The second was nothing like that. As a child, his family used to put a cardboard refrigerator box around him so he wouldn't bother other kids. A client once told him if he ever needed to leave this business, he could be an animal tamer. So the two of them are downtown waiting for some other guests from a firm called Gabelli. Trying to negotiate rates with Gabelli was like dealing with a barrel of angry monkeys that you've just spent all morning throwing your poop at. And they were bringing an analyst who used to totally lose the plot if anyone questioned his models. If you dared to do this, it was like you would just force-fed him a whole bag of eight balls. Jesus, Bob, no one cares about cell D26. Just tell us how you think iPhone sales are. So, to ease the tension, the two of them decide to tell jokes. The first starts off, A man who barely made it through the recent crash called his stockbroker the next day and asked, May I speak to Mr. Spencer, my broker, please? The operator replied, I'm sorry, Mr. Spencer is deceased. Can anyone else help you? The man said no and hung up. Ten minutes later, he called again and asked for Mr. Spencer, his broker. The operator said, You just called a few minutes ago, didn't you? Mr. Spencer has died. I'm not making this up. The man again hung up. Fifteen minutes later, he called a third time and asked for Mr. Spencer. The operator was irked this time. I told you twice already. Mr. Spencer is dead. He is not here. Why do you keep asking for him when I say he's dead? The man replies, Eh, I just like hearing it. Laughing, the other salesperson chimes in. Young Chuck bought a donkey from a farmer for $100. The farmer agreed to deliver the donkey the next day. The next day he drove up and said, Sorry, son, but I have some bad news. The donkey died. Chuck replies, Well, then just give me my money back. The farmer says, Can't do that. I went and spent it already. Chuck said, Okay, then just bring me the dead donkey. The farmer asked, What are you going to do with him? Chuck said, I'm going to raffle him off. The farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead donkey. Chuck replies, sure I can. Watch me. I just won't tell anybody he's dead. A month later, the farmer met up with Chuck and asked, what happened with that dead donkey? Chuck said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece and made a profit of $998. The farmer said, didn't anyone complain? Chuck said, just the guy who won so I gave him his $2 back. While the first salesperson is still laughing and thinking that one through, he starts doing Chuck Norris material. Chuck Norris thinks the Sovereign Credit Crunch is a breakfast cereal. Chuck Norris doesn't hedge. He waits. Chuck Norris rubs the VIX into his chest. When the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, he checks his closet for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris thinks the ECB should toughen up and buy some real bonds. Chuck Norris still has his PB balances with Lehman. Let me pause the story here and explain why these two very different salespeople might talk to each other like this. 
Many people don't realize the key idea driving the best people on Wall Street is not to sell, but rather to work at building relationships. This in turn leads to a longer lasting series of sales or a referral. If you want to work in finance, you should understand that there really is no such thing as a born sales trader. It's an acquired skill that is being constantly fine-tuned. A common misconception about sales is, I was lucky because I was at the right place at the right time. This is not only unhelpful, but untrue. Instead, you should recognize it's up to you to put yourself in the right place at the right time. Yes, there is some homework that needs to be done to put yourself in the right place. First, make sure you are up to date on all events occurring in your area. This includes business and charity fixtures. Once you have made a determination which event you're going to go to, investigate the attendees' profiles on LinkedIn and see who would be good to connect with. When you meet them, pay attention. Assume that the person you are listening to might know something you need to know. Listen to them hard enough so that they will share it with you. Dress like the person you want to be. But remember, it's better to be well-spoken than well-groomed. Be a joiner. Select a nonprofit that you are passionate about and start working with the organization. Try to be active with the charity itself. You have so much more to offer than writing a check. Read everything you can about the business you've chosen, and when you come across an article of interest, don't hesitate to forward it to a new relationship. The note just has to say, FYI. Research your alumni directory to locate former students who are still in your area, as you already have a common bond with these people. Yes, business is difficult today. It may feel like a bunch of traders are just standing around in a circle shooting each other, but market structures are evolving. You should as well. Episode 44 will be out soon. If this podcast jogged an idea or two, then share that thought with a friend. And if it didn't, then tell everyone you know we don't have a clue what we're talking about here.